Well, we are privileged this morning to have, um, to welcome back Tim Mooney to us. He was associate pastor here for a handful of years in the late 90s, um, just walking with him through the building down below to the office coming up here. He's a bit of a rock star, people coming up to him and <laughs> hugging him and good to see you, brother. So, but for those of you who don't know what Tim has been up to lately, um, current author, Like a Child. He is going to be speaking to us at the end of our sermon, uh, the service this morning down in the fireside room. We'll talk about that in a moment. And, uh, but he is uh, currently pastor at First Avenue Presbyterian Church in Denver, Colorado, and he's also started a new community of believers gathering together on Monday night. And uh, maybe he'll tell you about that a little bit. I'm not sure. But it's great to have him back with us to speak to us this morning on a prayer from the heart. So would you welcome with me Tim Mooney. Thanks, you. Good to see you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Pat. It's really great to see your faces so many familiar faces. It feels like I'm back home, and it's been 16 years. I know, you've changed a lot. I haven't a bit. (laughs) For those of you who remember, uh, the the hair used to be down to here, one length. You can see some things have changed just a little. But thank you for welcoming me back. It's so good to be in your presence again. There's so many memories in this building And when I see the looks on your face, um, I'm just very grateful to be back. I'm going to read three different texts. First is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will remember their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And these words from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 and 25 through 33. Jesus is speaking And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then to verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And finally, these two verses from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The word of the Lord. Before I begin, I do want to say I'm very proud of all of you for coming today. When I was talking with Mary Graves about coming here, she said, Tim, send a couple pictures, you know, of you so we can put it on the information. And then just having fun with her, I sent this picture of me taking a nap on my couch with my hat pulled down over my brow, taking a nap, and she decided to use it. So... I'm sorry to disappoint you if you came today thinking you might be able to take a nap, (laughs) though that might happen anyway. (laughs) If that's what God needs for you to do, you just go right ahead. It It was about 16 years ago, right as my time as your interim associate pastor was coming to a close, that I started at San Francisco Theological Seminary going through the Diploma in the Art of Spiritual Direction training program. And on a Friday night, the whole class went to Grace Cathedral in San Francisco for the Friday night Tuesday service where we walked the labyrinth. I I realized that my time with you was very short and I didn't know what was coming next and so there was a little bit of anxiety in me about what was I going to do um, as you well, as you know, I was becoming an artist too, and so am I going to do full-time church or part-time church? All these questions about my life, and so I had this feeling of needing mercy, desperately wanting mercy, something from God. And so I, I went with great anticipation to this Tuesday service where I could walk the labyrinth, and you know, you've heard about the labyrinth, you, you walk in and you're letting go of your attachments to things, and in, this, in the middle, when you kneel and pray, you just know you're going to get this great insight. And so I was so full of anticipation. Yes, I'm going to get this great thing to happen to me. And so I'm walking in, and I'm praying, and, and loving the Tazay music that's going along with it, and that great setting in Grace Cathedral. And I got in the middle and knelt down and prayed. <sighs> Nothing. 
No visitation by the Spirit. No speaking in tongues. No flames of fire dancing on my head. Nothing. I was kind of disappointed. Because I really was yearning for mercy. And so I got up. I stayed longer than I probably should have. Others were like, come on, get out of the center. It's my turn now. Um, Just waiting for the Spirit, you know. If I just waited long enough, I'd get what I want. We have a funny way of manipulating God at times, don't we? So anyway, I start walking back out, and I'm trying to let go of not getting anything. But I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, if I let go about not getting anything in the middle, I will now get something as I walk out. <laughs> Do you know how that works? <laughs> so again, walking back out of the labyrinth, nothing. And so... As I walked back out of the labyrinth, you know, the Tizé music was still playing, and so I, I was really feeling that lack of mercy in my life. And I went to the front of Grace Cathedral and knelt at the altar to pray. And that's when, um, it was funny, because then the musicians started playing the Jesus prayer. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And it was naming my experience. And so I began to sing along with all my heart because I needed God's mercy. Has anybody else ever been in that situation before? Yeah. It's good to know that we're not alone in this need for mercy. It's good to know we're not alone on this journey of faith uh, that takes us a long ways. Um, this Jesus prayer really does name that desire for our hearts. Um, and um, this is really a prayer for the pilgrim. This is a long journey that we are on. And my sense of needing mercy that day was just so, I just, it just felt like I had a, such a long way to go. <clears throat> we see this prayer on the lips of the tax collector in Scripture who beats his breast and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we see the Jesus prayer on the words of the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, who when he hears that Jesus is nearby, he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. The person's book, Gary Neal Hansen, who you are following this summer, calls the Jesus prayer a prayer for the pilgrim. A heart in search of mercy, is on a journey. And it often feels like such a long way to go. That's certainly how I felt that Friday night kneeling at the altar at Grace Cathedral. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. This is where that that word sinner comes into play. And actually, the classic form of this prayer is, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It is that sense of we have sinned, and that word literally means we've missed the mark. It doesn't mean that we are completely depraved, we are so bad and evil. It's rather we we have our hearts going in the direction towards God, but we keep going like this. We fall off the side and don't hit it. And so we have that sense of, I keep missing the mark, and when am I going to start hitting the mark a little bit more? When am I going to get a little closer? 
it feels like we have such a long way to go. So I have a bit of bad news today. It really is a long journey. We want mercy, we want change, we want transformation, and we want it to happen quickly and with as little pain as possible, right? We want it now. God, let me just close my eyes, just do it for me. Take it away. The Jesus prayer has been a part of the Eastern Orthodox tradition for a very, very long time, and it is an expression of what they call hesychasm or inner stillness. The prayer is intended to be prayed over and over and over and over again as a way of letting it truly sink into our hearts become, and it becomes the prayer of your heart so that it will surprise you when you're driving to work that you'll hear it being repeated in your mind. Instead of the words that Debbie Grubbs used to say to other people when she was driving on the freeway. <laughs> Debbie Grubbs used to have a keychain that had six weapon sounds on it, and she'd press a button and it would go, kick, 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 kick. <laughs> This is why Debbie only allows me to come back every 16, 17 years. <laughs> when we pray this prayer over and over again, it's sort of a counterintuitive thing because it is a way to still our heart and mind. And that's exactly what's needed for a long pilgrim journey. It's essential for us to slow the heart down enough so that we can hear the still, small voice of God, to hear the voice of the divine presence. The repetition creates the stillness, which is such the opposite approach of our culture and our media, which is constant image change and constant stimulation. Did you hear about the recent study? Some scientists decided that they would see what it was like to give people, busy people like all of us are, a chance to just sit still and be with their own thoughts, not be distracted by anything, just to let their mind wander or wonder. What they found is those people preferred to be electrically electrically shocked than to sit still with their own thoughts. Not everyone, but a very high percentage. What we find is when we become still, when we pray a prayer like that, what we discover is our mind, what the Buddhists call monkey mind, is racing all the time. And it's racing with old tapes and criticisms that you learn from your parents or your teachers or yourself where you just, we just nail ourselves all the time. And who wants to listen to that? So we will do anything to avoid the stillness. But when we stay with that long enough, we begin to find there's another voice there that is deeper than any self-criticism. Deeper than any cultural voice. And it's the voice of God. This prayer originally was also, uh, the prayer was invited to bow their head and look in the direction of the heart. Because to pray this prayer, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. It was a way of getting the head to drop down into the heart. 
Because there is a knowing here that is much better than just intellectual knowledge about God or about ourselves. It is a knowing that we are God's beloved sons and daughters. The Jesus prayer helps unite the head, the heart, and the body into a oneness, and there we wait and listen. It is a slow pilgrim journey towards wholeness and holiness. And it's difficult because in our culture we can get anything we want almost immediately. This prayer of the heart is a cultivation of openness to God's presence and to God's ways. The Jesus prayer is called the prayer of the heart too because it reflects the heart's deepest desires. Jesus responds to the cries of blind Bartimaeus with a very interesting question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asks us this question too. This question is asked because it, it is our answer reveals a great deal about us. If we ask ourselves, what do I want? We first find, I want a new car. I want to get my hair back. I want, you know, there's all these things. But then we start going, wait, that's not going to satisfy me. What do I really want? We begin to get to the deepest of our desires. It's not incidental to this story that the person who is asking Jesus for mercy is blind. I want to see is his response to Jesus, and it's a way of pointing to the vision of what is vital and essential. God, I want to see what is truly important, what is at the heart of life. Jesus spent so much time trying to help people see the reality of the kingdom of God that was already in their midst, a kingdom characterized by one thing, mercy. The parables of Jesus show an outrageous grace operating in the world. This is God's way, is what Jesus was saying. This is who God is. This is who God is for you and for me, for the world. The prayer of the heart can slowly strip us of our false self, our shallow desires, and leads us to our heart's deepest desires. Yes, I am sorry to say it is a long journey, but it is a good journey. But I also have some good news for you. This pilgrim journey is also right now, right here, in this very present moment, where you are on that journey. This is also a bit counterintuitive. For the very longing for mercy that we feel, which seems absent, the mercy seems absent, is the very sign that we have found it somehow, or to say it a little better, it has found us. Mercy has already found us. Our longing for God's mercy signifies that God's presence is already within us. I love these words from the poet Rilke. And he's, he's put these words on God's mouth speaking to us. Hasn't my longing ripened in you from the beginning as fruit ripens on a branch? I am the dream you are dreaming, when you want to awaken, I am that wanting. The Jesus prayer, the prayer of the heart, is an expression of what is already at the center of our hearts, a center that never goes away. When we pray it, we get closer and closer to Jeremiah's words, 
when he says God's law, God's kingdom is already here written on our hearts where God already most deeply resides. It is God in us. It is the deepest truth about us. We are never without it. It can always be returned to and found. What we do is just tend to forget it and cover it over and drown it out with our distractions and our desires run amok. But even if we would look closely at our desires, the ones that sometimes feel like they get us in trouble, if we look deeply at the heart of them, we will follow them down and find they are a desire for love. And we are already deeply loved. As I knelt at the altar at Grace Cathedral that Friday night 16 years ago, something happened, and it was surprising. It was so simple, and it changed my perspective. It was a figure ground shift. I saw the world this way, and after that was over, I saw the world this way. As I was kneeling and singing along, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. One word changed. Jesus Christ, Son of God, has mercy on me. It happened in just a simple moment. And suddenly I realized that my way of looking at God was that God occasionally, maybe every five years or so, would intervene in my life with mercy. And then I was without it again. Just, you know, that little spot along the way. Rather than realizing that my entire life, this creation around us, all that we have is a gift from God. I am never without mercy. You are never without mercy. It is, we just have to have the blinders on our eyes taken off. And we will realize we are already in the heart of God and God is in our hearts. God's words are written right there. I love the Apostle Paul's words. The Spirit prays within us with sighs too deep for words. They're the deepest part of us. This is who we are. And so the Jesus prayer can help us get in touch with that deepest truth about who we are. So we're going to sing. And I invite you, if it feels right to you, to change that one little word. Yes, along this journey, we will feel, we'll miss it. We, We feel like we don't have it. But the deepest truth is that we do. Mercy is not just a few oases in the middle of a barren desert land or journey that we're on. Mercy is the journey. We're already there. Amen.